Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We have been going through the book of Galatians, Saved and Fruitful. That's uh, some big themes that run through Galatians. And uh, we're going to sort of touch base now on the, the fruitful side of, uh, of our Christianity. We're saved in the fruitfulness now that the gospel produces through us today. Um, just to set the scene here for us, uh, Australia used to be a, a country that was quite strong with service clubs. Not quite as strong as what they used to be, but previously they were. My father was actually a member of the Lions Club of Shepparton. Anybody know, heard of the Lions Club before? A few hands go Is anybody a member of the Lions Club? Yep, okay, that's cool. Uh, when my dad was there, I can remember being a, a small boy and went across to some meetings. There might have been 60 or 70 or 80 people part of that club. Now, I don't even think Shepparton has a club at this particular moment because one of them wrote and said, Dad was a part of that. But these clubs met for fellowship, for friendship, and also to serve in the community as well. Uh, these, club would look, uh, these clubs would look for needs around the community and then go about serving those needs to build a stronger and healthier community for all of us to benefit from. That's what these service clubs did. Now we have Apex Club and a whole range of other clubs as well, but they are all called service clubs as they provide service for the community. Serving is a very powerful way to build community. Even as Jess um, told us about before, she went across to that country to help serve in that country, to help rebuild that community after the disaster they went through. Paul's going to take us today in the book of Galatians, uh, where he's going to get the gospel, will get traction in our lives, so that now we will serve uh, through love, so that Jesus is honoured by that service, and at the same time the community of believers will be built up strong through that service. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, go to Galatians chapter 5, and just a heads up, I'm going to ask two questions to the floor here in a minute, and I want somebody to actually give me an answer. Can somebody tell me what justified means? So think about that word now. What does it mean? And you can come back with a response. And I want someone then to answer the question, how do we receive our justification from God? I just want to see you've been learning a few things over the past month or so. But first, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look... I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. They're going to concentrate these next two verses here, next three verses. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you today for the grace that you've given to us through your word. We ask and pray now that Holy Spirit, as we look at uh, this passage here in Galatians and focus particularly on verses 13 through 15, that Lord, you will release within us a renewed spirit of serving you and serving each other through love. We ask work that in us today that we would commit ourselves to that. We ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, Paul has spent four and a half chapters here dealing with and circling around really one main issue up to this point, our salvation, our salvation. And the big point he's been making here is our justification before God. Can anybody tell me what justified means? Jess, top of the class. Justified is our right standing. It's not a process. It's not something we're getting to. It's justified, past tense, right standing. How do we receive our justification or right standing before God? Say it again, louder. I did hear the right answer. Through Christ. Through Christ plus or through Christ alone? Christ alone. That's it. Good. You're doing really well. That is our right standing and it is through Christ alone. Justified, declared right and justification, the process is is through Christ alone. Through his death alone in our place that we receive that as we and uh, through faith we receive that uh, from God. Well done. I, I've got something across maybe for the last couple of months and I'm really glad you've got it because that is really important. Okay, what happens now is Paul draws this imaginary line here underneath verse 12. It's not in your Bible, it's not inspired, okay, but there's an imaginary line here that Paul draws under verse 12. And what he's done at this point is a lot of teaching or theology about God, about the Holy Spirit, of who Jesus is and what he's done for us up to this point. And this teaching and theology here is really important for building solid foundations for what we believe. It's really important. That's why Paul does a whole lot of this up front of his letters and then he gets to practical working or practical application towards the end because what flows out of our belief is actually how we live in real time. Belief shapes actions. Belief shapes your life. Now, after this imaginary line here that Paul's written, well, maybe I'm putting this imaginary line here, uh, comes this practical application of, of gospel belief that produces gospel living. Really important for us. Theology, teaching, and right belief isn't meant to just stay in our heads and go no further. So we're not meant to read this here on Sunday morning and we've got it there and then we just forget all about it and we walk out the door and we go with our life. No, that's not what's meant to happen here. Our hearts, the the inner person, is meant to grab this right belief as we see it, as we as the, the Spirit opens it up in our hearts and minds. We're meant to grab this and love it. And not only love it, put it into practice, put it into place. And then from a renewed heart flows a life of what we believe. Theology, teaching of God, 
produces a life of practical worship, a practical demonstration now of this renewed life coming out through us. Here's where Paul's going to take us today. Uh, Jesus frees us foundationally to serve one another in love. Uh, This serves to make the gospel look wonderful in community. Jesus frees us foundationally to serve one another in love. This serves to make the gospel look wonderful in community. Okay, let's, uh, let's jump into it. Paul starts here somewhat responding to a regular criticism that he received when he preached the gospel. Because of Paul's understanding of what the gospel does, uh, does and has, is doing for us and the freedom it brings, many people, when they heard Paul preaching like this, were worried... Paul, if you preach like this, this will lead to lawless living. If we don't have this Ten Commandments here and all these things, this this will lead, this free grace and this belief in Jesus will lead to lawless living. Like, no restraints, Paul. No rules. Grace covers everything. And now you can live as you please, is what was the common response here to Paul's preaching. Because after all, they would have said, Paul, you said all we have to do is just believe what Jesus has done for you and you're in. The common thought was, this will lead to lawless living. Paul responds to this in verse 13. It's a real change here in the book of Galatians. He says this in verse 13. For you were called to freedom. This is the gospel, it's freed us. For you were called to freedom, brothers, sisters as well. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That sounds like an oxymoron or it sounds like he's cancelling out the very thing he's just given us. You're free, but you're not free, what he says there. Well, we've just spent four chapters here unpacking this freedom and now we discover it's a restrained freedom. But that's a good restraint for us. You've got this freedom, but you're not free. You see here, what he's saying is this. Gospel freedom isn't freedom to give free reign to allow our sinful desires to run wild or to give opportunity for the flesh is what Paul is saying here. It's not that. Because when Paul says flesh, here's what he's meaning. He's meaning this crippled but remaining uh, indwelling sinful nature that resides within us. He's not giving opportunity for, for that to erupt as it were and to break out. Jesus has purchased our forgiveness He's broken sin's power over us, but sin hasn't been eradicated at this stage within believers. But its power and hold is broken over our lives. It no longer dominates us, but it still remains within us. A heart renewed by the Holy Spirit has this new attitude now towards sin that it didn't previously have. We know it's wrong. We really know it's wrong now. And we have this disposition or this attitude or this desire. We want to push back against them. We want to fight against these sinful desires as they would begin to rise up in our lives. We now have God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, indwelling within us, giving us this ongoing power to not give in to sin or sinful desires and then thereby giving an opportunity for the flesh to just break out and do its thing. No, we're not free to do that and God's given us his Spirit to hold us back from that. Now, living in community, as Jesus calls us to, is what we're doing today here in a gathered community. But here we are in this community, living in this, Jesus calls us to, will provide plenty of opportunities for this flesh to want to break out. 
plenty of opportunity for, for flesh to break out and demand its own sinful way and through sinful actions. Uh, this is one of the reasons I firmly believe that Jesus calls us in the community because he uses it as a sanctifying tool. He uses community to bring the best and the worst out of us and that enables us to actually put to death that sinful uh, remaining desires within us through community. It's challenging being community. We all come with a different agenda. We all come with different ways of doing things. And when that happens, sparks are bound to fly because we actually rub up against each other in different ways. Community brings both the best out of us and the worst out of us. From verse 15 here, it appears that the Galatians were either tearing each other apart in nasty conversations or more sinful actions or selfish actions, or Paul may perhaps is warning them about this. Because this is the end result here, what happens if we don't uh, deal with this remaining indwelling sin that stays within us and we keep going down a sinful self-centred path, is that we can rip and shred relationships apart like wild dogs brawling over food. Now you might think that's a bit graphic, but that's actually what Paul is saying in that verse. You will bite and devour each other, he's saying. Like a pack of wild dogs, if you allow this sinful, self-centred nature to keep going, you'll just rip each other apart, particularly through relationships. What's the gospel doing here? It's working in a, in a renewed person now, but it gives us no freedom to live in sin, to indulge in the desires of the flesh. In fact, when the gospel is truly grasped, it gives us the most power to engage in warfare with our sinful desires that still remain within us. Far more than some sort of self-effort, I'll just work a bit harder to stop this, there's a whole new principle within us now when we are believers, trusting in Christ, that gives us the most power to engage uh, with our sinful flesh. Let's be clear here what Paul's saying. The gospel categorically, without question, no equivocation here whatsoever, calls all believers into holy living and gives us no freedom to live in a self-centred and self-indulgent sinful way. Brothers, you are called to freedom, but do not use your freedom for opportunities of the flesh. Okay, this freedom that Paul calls us into and directs us here, this restrained freedom as it were, has the most powerful drive or motivator that we could ever imagine in life to give that for us. What is that drive and motivator? It's love. It's love. Look again at verse 13, towards the end there, but he says, but through love serve one another. Through love serve one another. The gospel of Jesus Christ has as its foundation the love of God flowing through every element of it. God is not devoid of love in any way. His love is working through every aspect of who he is. And love is the most powerful driving force that we know of. Think about this. Think about somebody who may be in a hostage situation. It could be a husband or wife. Why does a husband jump in front of his wife and shield her from a bullet during a hostage situation? He loves her. He actually puts his life on the line because he loves his wife. It's a very powerful, driving, motivating force. And the freedom that Jesus calls us into has this love, as it were, 
overflowing right through it and through his person as well. Look at these scriptures just to help us out here. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us in while that we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What did God do? He showed his love for us. 1 John 4.10 is this. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Sent his son Jesus to be uh, our sin bearer and to take that on our behalf. What is God here? God is, God's love is a beautiful and strong foundation that underpins our salvation and our new life and freedoms in Christ. Love flows through all of this. Super powerful. Now let me just make a little note here about love though. Let's not get it confused with a sentimental type of farmer wants a wife love. I'm getting a few giggles already. Some of you are aware of this show, Farmer Wants a Wife. What is all that about? That is just an emotional overflow of all sorts of feelings. That's not the sort of love we're talking about here when we talk about God's love working for us. Let's, let's be really clear on that one because that sort of emotional overload clouds all of our rational thinking. I feel for those poor ladies on that show. I, f- I think, what are you doing signing up for this? You are going to get your heart broken out of this. But they do. Now, the love that God talks about is a committed decision. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on good vibes. It's not based on the chemistry between us. That's sort of what Farmer Wants a Wife is based on, but it's, that's not the way God does it with us. In fact, most of that love flows out of decisive actions that demonstrate, I'm committed to you. That's, what, that's where God's love is demonstrated for us. Now, I'm not saying that there's no feelings at all. Feelings will come and feelings will go. But a significant part of love is the attitude that we commit to. Now, I've experienced this a little bit in marriage counselling from time to time. This person's come to me and says, I just don't feel any love for him anymore. Or I just don't feel any love. There's just nothing there between us. I don't feel anything. I said, you're right, because feelings come and feelings go. Love is way more than feelings. It's a committed attitude that we work with here. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have feeling. God is not a passionless God or a, a God with no emotions whatsoever. God sings over us with joy, we read in Zephaniah. Okay, So here's a God who is exuberant in his feelings. Now this love we're talking about here is not only a love that's shown to us by Jesus, it's also being poured into our hearts through salvation. Look at this here in Romans chapter 5. It says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, God's love, not my love, but God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to me. So it's not just love from God that he has for, him, uh, has for us, but he actually pours that love into our hearts as well. And this gospel love, God's love, is now flowing through us, out towards each other, not to be kept to ourselves, it's meant to be shared. This committed love, I'm committing to love people, I'm committing here with an attitude to love in this situation, no matter what. And this is what Paul is trying to do here. He's trying to raise the Galatians from this fractured community being broken up by false teachers and false teaching, trying to, as it may be, rip them apart and shred their relationships, 
trying to raise them from that and bring them to a gospel community now, filled with the truth of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and with love flowing towards each other through Christ. And he's doing this with a diversity of people in this community as well, where all these different agendas meet and sparks potentially will fly. Not potentially, will fly. That'll happen. Paul's got great confidence in the gospel, and so he should. Because as Christ's love is so powerfully shown to us in the salvation of the cross, we now have this privilege, as it were, to let Jesus shine out of us and we can show that love to others without reserve, without holding back. This love, gospel love, should be the foundation of our committed love for everything we do in life. With everything and every person. God's love demonstrated by Christ to us now flowing through us to others. Well, Paul doesn't leave us hanging here, as it were, with this love and how it should be demonstrated. He actually goes straight to it. Again, let's go back to us here as he commands us to love. Look in verse 13 again. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. Did you see that? We can't really get that wrong, can we? Through love, serve one another. When Paul uses the word serve there, he has in mind for us to take the position of a slave. The root of that word is actually is a slave. That's what Paul's saying there. So what Paul means is this. Don't just serve each other every now and again like when you feel like it. Don't just do that. And when you don't feel like serving, you can just check out and just move away for a while. Paul's not saying that's the case. Paul is saying as the gospel works in our heart, uh, we should have a continual attitude of serving, a disposition, a readiness to serve. Like a slave, that's his job or that's her job, to keep serving. Now Paul's not trying to demean us when he says that. He's just trying to say that is the, re- that is the constant position we should have now. Constantly looking to serve others through love just as a slave would serve their masters. Have that disposition, have that readiness. Here's a bit how this looks. One of the corruptions of sin is that we are a self-seeking and are more concerned with ourselves other than others. That's the corruption of sin as it works in our lives. Sin makes us into selfish people, self-centred people. Sin says although it may not verbalise this, but this is the thoughts in our mind, I don't give a rip about you. I'll say what I like, and not too fast how much a hurt it will cause you. That's what sin does, particularly as we think about relationships. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's all about me. Sin says, I don't give a rip about you. You may not hear that loudly in your mind, but you'll actually hear that sometimes in your mind. It's about me, it's not about you. Left to their own devices, that's where the Galatians are heading. It's a bit like every man for himself and the, you know, the mouth of the biggest bite might win because they're going to bite and devour each other. That's what can happen when we actually are left to that pathway. Now we do see some serving take place in the world. Serving is a great thing. As, as I spoke about those service clubs before, uh, they do some wonderful stuff in our communities. 
particularly last year for the floods that took place. I mean, a number of service clubs, even some of the local sporting clubs, got in there and actually went house to house and they served and they cleaned up and, they, and you can see some great demonstrations of service. Wonderful things. But I think sometimes that type of service only goes so far. It only goes so far. And then when it hurts too much or it costs too much or relationships are strained within some of those service clubs, very quickly the whole thing can break down and fall over. It's wonderful to see it, but you can see it can only go to a certain level and it runs out of steam. It can't actually push through when it gets really, really hard. Well, this is where the gospel speaks a better story for us. The gospel enables us to push through those hard times, to love each other, and to keep serving. We are now free to serve others, Paul says, not to serve ourselves primarily, and to keep serving. Because it's not about me, it's about Christ, and it's about others. And what is serving? Serving is a very powerful way to demonstrate a gospel-transformed heart, particularly in relationships and community with others, where it can easily get tested. Which is what Paul was saying earlier on. Don't give this opportunity for the flesh to break out. And he's thinking more particularly, I think at this time, relationships, because that can easily happen in relationships. Our flesh can break out, our sinfulness can break out in relationships. We can give an opportunity for the flesh when we cling to an unforgiving heart and we hold grudges against others. Devastating in relationships. When we refuse to forgive, we'd much rather live in a self-centred bitterness and then what happens? We allow sinful thoughts and feelings to brood against others when we hold this unforgiveness. It's an opportunity for the flesh to just break out and it's not held in check. We hang on to unforgiveness. We give opportunity for the flesh when we fail to overlook small offences in life devastating we sometimes we can become so emotionally precious about ourselves that we allow a really small thing to upset us which the person had no intent on they may have inadvertently said something a little bit off track but they had no intent to hurt that person but we can become so emotionally precious that one little word and that's it i'm done i'm cooked we refuse to overlook it we refuse to see it in its proper context and instead we demand attention. And we want to create really what is a storm in a teacup over a small offence that the person had no intention on. And we can easily become into a victim mentality. I'm always the victim. It's always me. Here's what Proverbs says about that. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says this. Good sense makes one slow to anger and that his glory to overlook an offence. Very telling word there from Proverbs. It's his glory to overlook an offence. We give opportunity for the flesh also when we speak negatively about others and cut them down. We can so easily slice other people up with our words and we can use that to inflate ourselves before others so we can look great. Our tongue is a very vicious weapon at times. We can just chop people down with our words. What we're doing, we're giving an opportunity for the flesh to just break out through our words. And we're destroying relationships. 
And at the same time, if, if that is us getting involved in that, we're giving this wicked opportunity for this poisonous root of pride to grow in our own hearts as we use words to chop others down and to cut them up. All of those things that Paul talks about there are what rips and tears apart relationships and communities of people. We allow the opportunity for the flesh to just break out and we let, let our sin just take off and do its thing. And the end result of that is we just chop each other up and as Paul says, bite and devour each other. That's not gospel freedom. That's sinful indulgence. So we need an antidote for that. And that's what Paul gives us here in the idea of serving. Because serving others in gospel freedom through love is what we do to guard ourselves against these opportunities in the flesh wanting to break out and destroy relationships. Serving others in gospel freedom through love is what we... uh, So how do we serve each other? We do this by praying for one another. Particularly those we don't get on well with. More especially for those ones. Those ones who seem to push our buttons. That's how we serve them through love. Genuinely praying for those you have difficulty with and actually genuinely praying that God will bless them and God will grow them and God you... Will you help me to love them and appreciate them more, even though you don't, you're not best buds with them? And if you pray in that light, God, please help me to understand that person better. Please bless them. Please grow them. If you pray in that light, I will guarantee you genuinely, if you do that, those negative feelings you have about them will just begin to drop away. Because God's Spirit will work through that prayer and to rebuild that relationship as we serve them in love by praying for them genuinely. We serve one another through love when we bear with each other as well. We're told in Ephesians 4 to do that, to bear with one another in love. This means decidedly overlooking small uh, small offences that were unintended, making a decisive decision. I'm going to overlook that offence. I'm not going to harbour it. I'm not going to choose to let it sit there and fester and make this mountain out of a molehill and let this hurt grow into something it should never be. We're only reveling the hurt. We serve by bearing with one another in love. Here's another one. We serve one another through love when we choose to use encouraging words, all generated here by the gospel, by the gospel transformation in our lives. Why do I say that? Because some people, some people, are so quick to be critical that all they can see is everything that's wrong. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. What's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the church? What's wrong with this? It's like the glass is always half full. Sorry, half empty. It's never half full, it's half empty. That's a challenge. Now, I'm not saying we avoid the truth. Sure, the truth must be spoken about, but it's so quick sometimes for some people to just launch on and latch on to the negative and to latch on to the critical. Gospel freedom is actually is about encouraging each other, building each other up. Sure, the difficult things will need to be spoken about. Speak the truth in love and no one's going to avoid that. But actually, let's work on this gospel freedom and serving each other through love with encouragement. Simple things, but actually does wonders for growing and building people in the gospel. Genuine encouragement, not just platitudes or just, you know, you're a great person, but actually be specific about that encouragement. Think about 
things that have happened in their life that have really encouraged you. And actually let people know about that. Encouragement goes a long way. We serve one another through love and we count others more significant than ourselves. Now Sean spoke about this in Philippians a couple of weeks ago. The gospel gives us a whole new mindset here that honours others ahead of ourselves. When we think and act like that, what will this do? This will grow and foster a loving community when we actually honour and prefer others ahead of ourselves. That is serving each other through love. What are all these uh, practical gospel-centered relationships? They're all building actions. They're all things that we can commit to that actually help build relationships, build connection, build community. And all of these outworkings here of doing these things, bearing with each other and forgiving each other, encouraging each other, ultimately find their foundation in what Christ has done for us. His outworking. Jesus came in sacrificial love and served us through his death on the cross to reconcile us back to the Lord but also to give us that glorious life now that we can grow into. Have a look at says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45 here. A familiar verse, but again so powerful. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's true freedom. And that's the freedom that Jesus brings us. We are set free from ourselves, and we're now set free to serve others through love. Can you imagine what that sort of community would look like if people could see those types of relationships blossoming and flourishing amidst the challenge. Not going to be free of challenge. The challenge is going to be there. What would others think if they saw that? Ready to serve each other in love. Ready to forgive. Ready to encourage. Ready to bear with each other. Ready to value others ahead of ourselves. What do you think people would say if they actually saw that community functioning like that? I'll tell you what they'd think. They've got something. They've they've got something. We can see they've got challenges, but they can work through those challenges. It's like they've got something or someone who's uniting them together or it's some sort of force that actually is helping them to work through this. Whatever they've got, I want to know what it is. That's what they'd be thinking if they saw the community functioning in that way. And that's what the gospel gives us the power to do. doesn't mean it'll be perfect because it won't be on this side of heaven, but it's meant to be reflection of what that looks like. As we think now about Paul, we think about what he's calling the Galatians to and us to here today as we sit under his word. We need to ask ourselves this question. Are you and I allowing the gospel to transform us like this? To serve each other continually in love? Are we allowing ourselves though, or to stay in the rut of life and are not willing to go down a pathway of change that God calls us to do and empowers us for? Are we embracing gospel change or are we just, no, I'm happy where I'm at. I'll just stay in the rut where I'm in. Are we genuinely looking to pray for those people who we struggle with? If you want to heal that relationship, that's what we're called to, praying for those ones. Are we doing that? Maybe right now, some of us could be thinking like this. You're thinking perhaps of another person in your mind right now, and you're thinking like this. I'm so glad that person is here today to hear this talk. 
Because that's exactly what they need to hear. Is that true? Or is it for you? We're really good sometimes at actually knowing that's good for that person over there. Paul's speaking to us. Holy Spirit's speaking through Paul to me. Actually, we all need to hear this. And we all need to allow the gospel to transform us. It's not for somebody else. It's for me. It's for you. It's for all of us. What does Paul say again in verse 13? For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Paul's really clear here. But through love, serve one another. That'll be costly. It'll be hard. But it'll reap fruits of joy and fruits of peace and fruits of building each other up. And we have no excuses. God gives us everything we need to embrace that scripture and live it out through life. Not perfectly, but to keep working at it. Keep working at it. Keep working at it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can come and sit under your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the work that you did in the Apostle Paul's life to write this letter to the Galatians. Not only to the Galatians, but to us. Jesus, you've saved us. You've set us free from the penalty of sin. You've broken sin's power over our lives. And you set us free to no longer give opportunity for the flesh to break out in our lives. You've also set us free now in love to serve one another. God, I pray, please, would you work in our hearts today an attitude of forgiveness to forgive people when they've unintentionally hurt us, to overlook those offences. God, would you work in our hearts an ability to pray for these people and to love them genuinely and to see your spirit working in our hearts to change us as we pray like that. Lord, would you help us to be encouraging people, not avoiding the truth, but seeking where ever we can to encourage and build people up, Lord, genuinely. And God, I pray that through that, you will grow a body of people that love and serve you and also love and serve our community to reflect the gospel out through our relationships of transformed lives. Lord, would you help us today not to think that talk is good for that person over there, Help us today to embrace this for ourselves. Commit to this to ourselves. And to be the rational, responsible people that you've created us to be, Lord. Accountable for what we've just heard. And we pray that, God, the fruit that you will produce in that will be peaceful, joyful, loving. That will bring glory and praise and honor to your great holy name. Lord, today we ask that we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. 
but consider yourself invited to be with us.